Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The Like the Ceiling Can Hold Us edition. As the Bengals look to advance to the AFC Championship game for the second straight year by knocking off the Buffalo Bills on the road. Coming up, I'll talk to a fan favorite in Houday Nation, Kay Adams, who says that serving as the ruler of the jungle at Paycor Stadium was her favorite day since covering the NFL. We'll look at the state of the Bengals' offensive line, and then we'll hear from the guy who yells, In the locker room after wins, veteran coach Mark Duffner, who discusses that as well as why he calls Joe Burrow Butkus. And finally, in this week's Know the Foe segment, Adam Benini from WGRZ-TV in Buffalo explains why the Bills' most recent wins have been too close for comfort. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since 74 things that blew our minds in 2022. Atlantic Magazine published a list with that title at the end of December, and it includes some really weird and interesting facts. For example, woodpeckers can smash their heads against trees and go unharmed because they have small brains. That makes sense. How about this? A 2006 effort to automatically take down internet porn by detecting repetitive noises ended up snagging a lot of tennis videos. I'll give you one more. In 2021, 95 of the top 100 most-watched telecasts in the U.S. were sporting events. I'm guessing that one doesn't surprise anybody listening to this podcast. Again, it's Atlantic Magazine's list of the 74 things that blew our minds in 2022. If you look for it online, it might be behind a paywall, but you can sign up for a free trial. Now, let's get to football. In the two-year history of the Ruler of the Jungle ceremony, the Bengals have had a great mix of people leading the Who Day chant, including a popular NFL TV host who I caught up with this week. She is the host of Up and Adams on FanDuel TV, and she is universally loved by Bengals fans with my wife Peg at the top of the list. She (laughs) is Kay Adams. Kay, you have referred to the Bengals as my Bengals on your show so how was the stress level last uh, Sunday night in the game against the Ravens? Very stressful, but also so fun. I think it was the best wildcard weekend ever. Uh, a, a, a play with Logan Wilson and Sam Hubbard that will live in infamy. And I don't mean that in Cincinnati. I cover all 32 teams. It's one of those. It's the Immaculate Reception elite tier of plays. And that's something to be excited and proud of as well. So sure, was I worried? Was I jumping up on my couch? And was I hiding behind the couch when things weren't going so well? Absolutely. But there's a lot to look forward to, but a lot that needs to be worked on as well, Dan. And thank you for having me. Just hearing your voice say my name is really crazy. Do you have a preference between the fumble in the jungle or the Hubbard yard dash as a nickname for the play? Fumble in the jungle rolls off the tongue. It's fun. It's easier. The the Hubbard yard dash sounds a little harder to say. The immaculate rejection I also don't like. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Fumble in the jungle, I think, is the winner. So the win, unfortunately, for the Bengals came with a cost as Jonah Williams suffered a knee injury. You tried to help. You found a flight from L.A. to Cincinnati and offered to pay for it for Andrew Whitworth. Were you disappointed when he turned you down? I just don't quite understand why he turned me down. He had some some riffraff about how he has giraffe legs and he's trying to say that he's not in shape like this is there's no. So let's wait a week then let's get past the bills and then when things get dirty in Kansas City like you need to be there then you'll be one, even if it's just for the Super Bowl. Stand there, block a couple guys, be a big Velveeta cheese block. I know you have it in you. And I, I really, but sincerely, it's not just a cute storyline, Dan. You think about Zach Taylor. He has familiarity with him. Zach Taylor comes from the Sean McVay coaching tree, and there is connective ch- tissue there. It wouldn't be the craziest thing for him to step in and have success. But luckily, I mean, hopefully we don't need it, right? We don't know what's going on with the knee of Jonah, Kappa. There's a chance they can be back. And I do want to say, digging into the numbers, I surprised myself because I gave the Bills a lot of credit for how well they've played without their $126 million addition in Von Miller. But if you'd scratch into the numbers a little further, and NFL Research did a really good job at this, you know, the pass rush is weakened without him. They haven't been able to generate a ton of pressure without the blitz. So uh, it might equal itself out as we, you know, have this issue lingering against Buffalo. So with the starting three offensive linemen out for the Bengals, is there anything about the Bengals, whether it's Joe Burrow or something else about the team that makes you think that this is a group that might be able to overcome something like that? Of course, uh, the passing game looked great in the first quarter between these two teams before the action got suspended in in that regular season game. Uh, I think Bengals fans are going to travel and that's going to be meaningful. Uh, You heard Zach Taylor sort of asking, willing for that. And, you know, you you can look at a weakness on the Bengals side and you can equal it out by looking at a weakness on the Bills side, which is their turnovers, two picks and a fumble return last week. And the issue with that is that the Dolphins weren't able to capitalize on that. You have to cash in. The Dolphins didn't. Jesse Bates, let's go. You know, we got to Sam Hubbard, these opportunities into the end zone. Uh, And with Josh Allen, most interceptions now all year, most fumbles, uh, I absolutely think they can get it done if they capitalize on those opportunities, which seem like they'll come. We are visiting with Kay Adams. You were the ruler of the jungle before the home game against the 49ers last year. You really seem to love the experience. Did that forge a connection for you with Bengals fans? It is my favorite day in my NFL career. And I know I wasn't even working and I was just having fun, but I've been to Super Bowls. I've been on the field after Super Bowls. I've been you know, all over the place interviewing them. It was so fun. The energy was so welcoming, so full of gratitude for the moment and enjoying the moment, which is something that I think NFL fans struggle to do. And yeah, just from the, from getting to the airport, to the hotel, to walking around and trying everybody's different chili and snacks and playing cornhole and, and being in the studio, uh, in that stadium and hearing the music and feeling the energy, like there's just nothing better. It was, uh, an, a day that I'll never forget. And when I saw even Hoosh on the broadcast on Sunday night doing it, I was like, ah, I wish it was me. (laughs) Well, you know, there's an open invitation for you to come back in the future and be the ruler of the jungle again. We've got an interesting matchup coming up this Sunday in Buffalo with two teams that just went through a traumatic experience together. What did you think of how Zach Taylor, the Bengals players and the Bengals fans uh, conducted themselves after the collapse of DeMar Hamlin? Oh, with with complete class in the perfect right way. It was, you know, in those moments when those things happen, 
you would expect there to be already guidelines of what's going to take place. No one can predict that that would happen or something like that would happen, but it has to be if you're, you know, as an organization, the NFL has to anticipate things happening, bad things, disasters, good things. What do you do? What's the checklist that we go to? And it seemed a bit in disarray. And I think everyone can agree with that. When in those moments, you look to leadership, you look to leadership from the NFL and you look to who am I looking at on the field? And that was Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott, who I think deserves so much credit and, and are getting that credit for how they conducted themselves and knowing it was the right thing to not play the game or to at least take a while and go into the locker rooms. And, uh, you know, Zach Taylor, I, I sometimes not a gripe, but I sometimes think like, do you have that demonstrative like fight in you and, and you know T, everyone from T Higgins to Joe Burrow told me of course he does and you saw it in the, the weeks after once you know that everything settled um and fans were so gracious and you know this Bengals team knew we're going to not play this game and it's probably going to take away uh you know some of our options as far as our seating uh with what the rule book said in the off season and those things that were decided upon. And then for that to get flipped, I loved seeing Zach Taylor come out and, you know, really say his piece on it because I think it's important. And I think it's a uh, dangerous precedent, which I talked about a lot on my show, but Bengals fans, you know, I Blackburn said it best. You still got to play us. You still got to play us. We'll go over there and we'll whoop on you too. So uh, if anything, if there's any team that I think that can handle the adversity and the ups and downs, it is, it is a team that needs to get it going and needs to get it going now. Well, on that topic, you said on your show recently, you thought the Bengals got a raw deal when the NFL tweaked its rules and, and Cincinnati really didn't have much of an opportunity to benefit. What do you think would have been fair? I think it would have been fair to adhere to what the rule book said and what I'm sure that everyone making those decisions in the moment, you know, wasn't thinking about because everyone was just thinking about DeMar Hamlin and that's what it should have been. But the gripe I have with it is that there's all of the consequences that everyone had. Everyone got knocked around by this, but then or something bad happened. The Ravens, though, having an ability to account for the what if. That's what the playoff, that's what week 18 is. That's what week seven is. It's what if. What if we can still possibly get this? Like you look at the Steelers, we can still get in. All we have to do is this. We need a, it's all about hope. That's what you account for in those games. And I felt like the league accounted for that with the decision to change the rules for pretty much all of the other teams in the AFC, except for the Bengals, all of the consequences, none of the potential benefits. And I didn't find that to be particularly fair. And I think everybody has a bit to complain about with it, but the complaint by everyone should be, there should never been a vote. There should never have been a change in this uh, until the off season, because I do believe that it's the, res the responsibility of the NFL to account for and anticipate these sort of things happening with all the stakes that could potentially happen. And they didn't for this one. So a trip to the AFC championship game will be on the line this Sunday in Buffalo. What are a couple of your keys to the matchup? Oh my gosh. I just want T Higgins to go off. Like I said, I think when you were watching the passing game uh, it in the first quarter before this horrible thing happened that stopped the play, Burrow was not missing. He looked really, really good. Now I will say, I'm a little worried about Tredavious White, if I'm a Bengals fan, because he came back from injury. He was hurt, tore his ACL week 12, I think, last year, has come back, and he wasn't, you know, jumping out the gates looking like shut down corner like we expect him to look, but he's looked better every week. He looked really good last week as well. And when you do have what has been a 
pass rush that can't generate as much pressure. I'm looking at those corners and that secondary to really bring it uh, and have that happen. So I would say capitalizing on the turnovers that are going to come your way from Josh Allen, because for whatever reason, that's what's happening. Um, and I also feel like this team, this Bills team, when they play with a lead, I think Dable was very, let's go get foot on the gas. And I don't know that Dorsey, I think he gets a little bit more conservative. And I just hope that Zach Taylor matches that conservative behavior with more aggressive behavior. That's what I'll say. Hey, you are an honorary member of Who Day Nation. Like I said, Bengals fans love you and we love having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope we cross paths soon. Dan, I, I want you to sit there and every night before you go to sleep, I want you to think about and manifest what calling that Super Bowl winning game for the Bengals for this 2022 season will sound like and look like, and then we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like a great idea. And as I said, before we started this interview, I cannot be held responsible for my lack of professionalism. If that happens, <laughs> uh, I can't wait to hear it and I'll probably be there in person. So I'll have to listen to it the next day, but uh, we are looking forward to it. Of course, good luck. Bengals fans go travel. I know Bengal Jim already bought his tickets. He's uh, headed up there to Orchard Park. So dress warm, but be loud. And I wish I could be there, of course, cheering these Bengals on. As I mentioned at the beginning of that interview, Kay recently started hosting her own show called Up and Adams every day at 11 a.m. Eastern on FanDuel TV. One of her regular guests is former Pro Bowl safety Eric Weddle, who I should point out spent three seasons late in his career playing for the Baltimore Ravens. He might have provided some bulletin board material on Thursday when he said this on Kay's show. Honestly, they should have lost the Ravens, and they got outplayed by the Ravens. They snuck that through. They weren't scoring or sniffing another point once those linemen went out, mm. and everyone knew it. And then that play happened at the goal line, which uh, is really unfortunate uh, for the Ravens and everyone involved. Tyler Huntley played a great game. And you wonder why those things happen. That's the great game. That's why the sports are great. You never know what's going to happen or why guys make decisions uh, like that. But they got... I'm sorry to say they got zero chance to get the bills. Uh, this is a very distressing interview. <laughs> we we tried to be nice. We made they a can't protect Joe. We made they a post. They got zero. Okay, they can't they can't protect him. They're they're playing without any linemen. How are how do you expect that team to go in there? Get the, get the ball does, out quick. It, yeah, that's gonna last. This is a top five defense. This is this is. Listen, they have had trouble generating. They have, they've, they've had the numbers say trouble generating pressure without Von Miller. So and but Tredavious White looks better than ever. Yeah, so that, they might pick it up in the secondary. That's, and it's that's great over. and all. But when you're playing with second and third stringers, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's the reality that the Bengals are facing right now. How do you manufacture, not turn the ball over? How to be able to give your defense and give your team the best shot of winning with that with playing with a mangled O-line in the playoffs against one of the best teams in the league. Like, I don't know. It, they, they, they got through it last year. I just don't see it happening. Uh, you're telling me, you're telling me, and I like the Bills a lot. You're telling me you don't see a couple wonky turnovers by Josh Allen and company, who lead, Josh Allen, who now leads the league in fumbles, turnovers, all of that interceptions, <laughs> leads the no, league. I, you don't I'm see a couple of funny things happening with Jesse Bates. <laughs> Jesse Bates catches one and takes it to the house and they win the game. Come on. Okay. I know your heart's <laughs> pulling for the Bengals. I know it deep down. I'm not saying any of that. That could happen, <laughs> may very well happen. 
Okay. And it and it will happen, and they're still not going to win <gasps> because of the fact that they're playing with a a, a deteriorated O line. I mean, they're not going to be able to run the ball. How are they going to protect and take some shots up the field? It's going to be a minimized yeah. game plan of quick game and shots, go balls to Chase and Higgins. Like, yeah. It's just not going to work over it's the true. four quarters. I, it's true. I mean, Mixon, 2.8 yards per carry, couldn't get it done. Now we have yeah. another offensive lineman. Um, but, but they I are defending, say, you know, AFC champs. Like, they, they're battle-tested. They got an amazing, incredible, big-game quarterback. Like, I'm not discrediting any of that. i just looking at the facts. And if I was a betting man, I'm putting yeah. a lot of money on the bills because of those reasons. Do you know, the only thing, I mean, obviously I have like a, an unrealistic, you know, not very objective love for this team. But when I look at this offensive line, it's not that different than the one that took them to the Super Bowl last year. So they, they have the same issues. They might not win it, but just, you know, like it's not that different. I'm worried, but saying there's no chance is mean. <laughs> A lot of people don't like what I say. <laughs> I'm not always right, too, so I can admit when I'm wrong. How great would it be to see Weddle have to eat his words on her show next week? And I would like to point this out. Eric Weddle said the Bengals weren't sniffing another point once their linemen went out, and everybody knew it. Well, on the Bengals' first drive of the third quarter with Jackson Carmen at left tackle, the Bengals went 83 yards on 12 plays for a touchdown and added a two-point conversion. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. While Weddle's comments probably got under your skin, it's obviously fair to wonder if the Bengals can overcome losing three starting offensive linemen over the last four weeks. Hakeem Adeniji will be making his third start at right tackle, Max Sharping will be making his second start at right guard, and Jackson Carmen will be making his first start at left tackle. Joe Burrow says the team has no doubt that this group can do the job. It's really not. All the guys that are playing have played a lot of football for us. They're playing some different positions now. But, you know, last year, Hakeem was a starter, Max was a starter, and Jackson was a starter all at, at some point in the year. So we have a lot of faith in all those guys. Carmen's six starts as a rookie last year all came at guard. Now he's back at his college position at Clemson, left tackle. Here's Jackson, followed by Zach Taylor. I think I'm a whole year more experienced. I think my body's better. And, you know what I'm saying, we got a great squad. So I'm excited to be able to go out there and compete with my brothers. Yeah, his attitude's been great. He's continued to work, knowing that his opportunity could come at any moment, at any position, really. Happens to be a left tackle right now. And um, I think he's really taken a hold of it and worked and listened to Frank and Derek and, you know, pr proud of the progress that he's made. Anytime a, a player goes through their first, second year in the league, um, you know, it can be different from college. And, and just playing offensive line is difficult. You know, you're, you're playing against a whole different uh, breed of player, you know, when you get up to this level. And I think Jackson's done a great job of, of uh, taking everything he's learned from his first year and putting himself in a great position to be successful. The Bills are a middle-of-the-pack pass-rushing team. They're tied for 14th in sacks and ranked 14th in pressure percentage. And those numbers have dropped since they lost Von Miller when he tore his ACL on Thanksgiving. But Buffalo has an excellent defense overall. The Bills were second in the NFL in points allowed. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, 
capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. Bengals fans are still buzzing about Sam Hubbard's game-winning 98-yard fumble return last Sunday against the Ravens. For perspective on that play and more on this week's game, I caught up with the most experienced member of the Bengals coaching staff, 69-year-old Mark Duffner, who is now in his 48th year of college or pro coaching. Duff, in your many years in football, have you seen anything comparable to Sam Hubbard's 98-yard fumble return game-winning touchdown? No, Dan, I haven't, and thank God that it it occurred as it did. Uh, And, of course, we were cheering for him to get it to the end zone, which he, in fact, did. So, no, I've never seen anything like it. It was unbelievable. I know some football fans around the country might be saying, ah, the Bengals got a little bit lucky or something like that. But when you do that, game after game after game, and come up with a takeaway when you absolutely have to have it defensively, at that point, can we safely say it's no longer luck? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, frankly, the... Uh, this team is bought into understanding the value of takeaways and winning the turnover battle, and and they practice it, you know, in, in terms of so it's not by accident. You can't get turnovers unless you try to get them, and they practice that in the practice routine, and it carries over to the games. and And the the key thing that too is just the awareness. I mean, the awareness that Logan Wilson had that, uh, and he's a very bright player and an aware player, but to, to get the ball off him as he did. And, yes, we got a good bounce. It came right to, to uh, Sam. But it, we see that in our opponents oftentimes, too, the lucky bounce. But uh, And then Sam knew what to do with it, as did the rest of them in terms of a escort to the end zone. So it was well done. We're visiting with defensive assistant Mark Duffner. I want to turn the clock back a little bit. Back in 2014, you took a job as the linebacker's coach for the Miami Dolphins. And the quarterback's coach was 31-year-old Zach Taylor. Mm. What were your early impressions of Zach, and did you have any inkling that someday this guy could become an NFL head coach? Uh, well, first, my <clears throat> early impressions and uh, opinions were I saw a very bright guy, a very energetic guy, a very positive guy in the way that he taught and the way he presented himself to his quarterbacks and also to the offensive staff and, and or offensive team and also to the team in general. So I was very impressed with him. He seemed to be to have an awareness that was uh, uh, well beyond his years, if you will. Uh, uh, you know, he was a pretty mature young man for coaching and, and showed that in a way, that not only in the football, in that, but, but just in the way he presented himself. And, and yeah, I, I could see that he, I thought, okay, this guy's got a chance to be a coordinator, and, of course, if that goes well, and uh, he, he could have a chance of being a head coach. I, did I know it would happen as fast as it did? I can't say can't say that, but certainly you had a, uh, you, you know, I, I had him circled, if you will, as a guy that looked like he was going to move and move pretty quickly. What did you think people across the country learned about Zach with the way that he conducted himself after DeMar Hamlin's collapse? Well, I, I think they learned the, the, the genuineness of him, the character of him. And that's what I'm so pleased for him is that he's, even though those he's had some really tough situations and and uh, in occurring his coaching as a head coach, a uh, couple tough seasons early on, and different all kinds of the COVID thing, everything that could you could think of that's happened has happened. But I've said to him before, I said, "Look, these are going to pay back big time, big dividends for you because if everything was peaches and cream, you wouldn't know how to react to tough situations." Well, uh, you know, uh, with the Mars situation, and there's no playbook or manual for that, but he acted on his 
own character, his own uh, genuineness, as I said before, and, and obviously made a terrific and rightful decision. And, and I, I think that uh, I couldn't be more proud of him for that. And, and, and he's endeared himself to the country and the world uh, with that. And that's what it's all about. And sometimes we forget those things, but that's the most important thing. And obviously that was first and foremost in Zach's mind. So here we are just a few weeks later, and the Bengals and Bills are going to meet in a playoff game. Last week, you faced a bitter division rival, and those games are always nasty. The Bengals and Bills went through a traumatic experience together. They helped each other through it. Does it feel unusual going into this game? Maybe a little bit, but I think that what's the best thing is that it feels great because uh, DeMar Hamlin has you know recovered into a point where it looks like he's going to be in pretty good shape uh, moving forward. And I think that's taken a lot of concern and, and feeling uh, off of a lot of people. And so we're, we're, we're particularly excited about that. That's first and foremost. But we're also very respectful uh, for the talent this team has we're going to face and, and excited about having that competition. We, we couldn't wait to have it uh, on that uh, Monday night, and uh, we're pretty excited about having it uh, on Sunday afternoon. We're chatting with Bengals coach Mark Duffner. I'm turning the clock back now even further to 1997, your first year in Cincinnati. That was the year that Boomer Esiason ended his career with a flourish. He famously took over with about a month to go and sparked a turnaround with his leadership. How does Boomer's approach compare to what you've seen out of Joe Burrow in his first three years? Very similar in a lot of ways in that they were both, they're both very confident, uh, very detailed uh, people. Uh, I think Boomer at that time. I, I saw quite a bit of uh, strong leadership from him. He, you know, he he was not afraid to to uh, address a lot of situations, and 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 I think Joe does that in his way too. Uh, but I, you know, there's a lot of similarity in them. I, I just know this. I think our team rallied around Boomer that year, and they felt very confident with him in the in the driver's seat, if you will. And I know that our football team feels that way about Joe Burrow and how he conducts the team and himself on and off the field. Do you have a favorite Burrow story or memorable moment so far from being around him for three years? Well, I, I, I you know, I, I affectionately call him Butkus, you know, because uh, he's as tough as nails, you know, and, and, and he would be a great middle linebacker if, in <laughs> fact, he opted to play on defense. So uh, I oftentimes, after a game, just because of his not, I mean, I admire his play and his decision-making, he's throwing all the things that he does offensively, but I also have great respect for the toughness, both mental and physically, that he has and demonstrates. So that's why I said I call him Buckus. And I've talked to him a couple of times about here. He said, "Are you okay?" He goes, "Coach, I love it." And, you know, he loves the fact that I throw that out to him once in a while. But I, <laughs> I I'm so pleased that uh, the owner, that ownership in this franchise and this city has a player uh, and person of the depth of Joe Burrow. We're we're blessed. So Butkus is a very appropriate nickname for you to bestow on somebody since you coach linebackers for most of your NFL career. And the Bengals have two starters right now that are playing at a very high level. Let's start with Logan Wilson. What makes him special? Well, I think his, I think his awareness uh, and, and certainly his athleticism. Uh, I remember when, we, when I watched this film in Wyoming, I, I watched two series of plays and stopped it and went upstairs and said to Duke and the staff upstairs, boy, we got to get this guy. Because uh, you, you, you just he had everything you were looking for. He had the certainly the physical traits and the range and the quickness and change of direction, but he could play run and pass equally well, and his awareness was excellent. So, I mean, I I, I 
love him, and I love him as a person too. But I mean, he's he is everything you want as a as a linebacker and as a defensive player, and then some. And then there's Jermaine Pratt. Is he one of the most unsung linebackers in the NFL? I think he is, and and I I really want to compliment Jermaine. I, I thought. I liked what we saw when we were uh, looking at him prior to the draft and in his first year or prior to being here. And uh, I liked his height. The fact that he'd been a safety early in his career at NC State, I liked that part of it. He came in in his, in his rookie year, but, you know, it was a little tough for him uh, initially, as it is for most rookies. And, uh, you know, I think that he was trying to, trying too hard in a lot of ways to make plays. And thank God that he's, you know, he's now kind of seen the bigger picture of play in this cat. Now, uh, he studies his, his preparation is terrific. He's constantly communicating uh, what the play is about to be. And that happens through great study in the classroom and on the field. And, and then the fact that he's, he's got big playability. I mean, the interceptions that he's made, the one last year against Las Vegas, the ball the ability to get the ball off of people in Kansas City, et cetera. I mean, so uh, I can't be more pleased for the, a young man who has talent, who's continuing to develop it. I, th- I think where you see where he started and where he is today, again, that's due to one uh, his efforts and certainly the coaching staff. So well done for Jermaine Pratt. We're chatting with defensive coach Mark Duffner. Back in late November, the night before the Tennessee Road game, Zach Taylor pointed out in a team meeting that all the experts were saying how hard the Bengals' schedule was, and he reminded the players that they got to play us. That's become the motto, and you become the guy who yells it in the locker room after victories. Is it just a fun thing, or has that rallying cry had a real impact? I think that, uh, I think perhaps a latter. I think, and that's again uh, attributed to the outstanding team meeting that Coach Taylor had, putting that in perspective with them and, and really bringing that to the forefront, that, that that's an important thing. I mean, we, we can hear about this and hear about that, but it's really all about us. And you, and you see that uh, that's, that standard all around the building, all around the locker room. It's about us, and it is. And he, you know, he kind of tied that into the, the scheduling part of the thing. And so uh, I think that the players understand that. It's helped to kind of – uh, bring to the forefront just that point. It's about us, and and it's really what we do in the game in, for 60 minutes that matters the most. And if we continue to do our best in terms of fundamentals and 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 effort and playing together, that things will generally turn out the way we want. Do your friends and family get a kick out of hearing you yell that in the locker room in these celebration videos? They perhaps do. I, I hope that it, it, you know it's. It, I, I kind of get a little emotional at times, and so that's kind of a blurting, if you will. But I, uh, it, it, it all anything that that that's happened from that certainly is attributed to Coach Taylor and what his message has been. And and if I somehow uh, add to that in some way, then good, you know. But I mean, yeah, they, they'll occasionally laugh or something about that. So yeah. Final thing for Coach Mark Duffner. You've had a long and distinguished career in college football and in the NFL. You've worked with Hall of Fame coaches like Woody Hayes and Dick LeBeau. You've been around tremendous players. You were there when Archie Griffin won his second straight Heisman. You helped when Brett Favre was in Green Bay. What did it mean to you to be on a Super Bowl staff last year? And what would a Super Bowl ring mean if you can win one? Well, first of all, to be on a Super Bowl staff last year and have that opportunity, that's after... I think 26 years in the NFL and you know so many people uh, work hard to get to that opportunity and, and to have that 
feeling and that experience, I'll be forever grateful. I mean, I just, uh, it was, I didn't want, I, I didn't want the days to end. I wanted them to, I tried to milk every minute out of the, each day we possibly could. And to, you know, be in position to perhaps have another swing at it uh, is just a bit unbelievable. And so it's, it's something you're all, everybody strives for. You're striving, uh, you know, to do the best you can, to be the best you can, and to have a chance to play in that, which is kind of the, the, the symbol of the best. Uh, you know, we're, we're very thankful and grateful for, and we're hoping like crazy we can get there. Always great to visit with you. Thanks so much for your time, and best of luck against the Bills. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate being with you. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. Now, Time for this week's Know the Foe segment. And for the latest on the Buffalo Bills, I spoke to my longtime friend Adam Benini, the sports director at WGRZ-TV in Buffalo. Adam, before we get to the nuts and bolts of the matchup on Sunday, let me ask you this question. Do you think there's a chance that DeMar Hamlin will be there on Sunday for the coin toss or in some sort of capacity? Well, it's interesting, Dan, because today we got kind of an update on that. Uh, Sean McDermott didn't indicate that he would be at the game, but thankfully, DeMar Hamlin continues to make a lot of progress. And uh, McDermott revealed that he's in the building. He was here today. Um, I'm at Bill's headquarters right now as we record this. He's in the building, McDermott said, almost daily. Uh, Players had seen him. Mitch Morse said he was a little bit tired. You know, you can tell he's recovering, but uh, he's making a lot of progress, wants to be. Well, he wanted to be at the game last weekend. And I think they convinced him out of it that that they didn't want him to push himself too far too fast. So I don't have a definitive answer for you, Dan, but it would not surprise me, given everything that transpired a couple of weeks ago, Monday night, and how quickly he's recovered. I know he wants to be there. It wouldn't surprise me to see him make some type of an appearance. Bring some Kleenex for me, if that's the case. (laughs) I, I tend to cry like a baby anyway, so that would be very emotional to see that. The Bengals played a team last week that they despise the Baltimore Ravens and the Ravens feel the same way about them. I don't know if it's the same thing with the bills and the dolphins being division rivals, but this is unusual. These two teams went through a traumatic experience together. There's a sense of brotherhood camaraderie between these two teams. How how do the bills and Buffalo fans feel about the Bengals at this point? Oh, I think they hold them in extremely high regard. I mean, that dates back to, what, 2017 and, and Andy Dalton and, and all of that history and uh, donations to his charity and everything. But obviously, the situation with DeMar Hamlin took things to a whole new level. Sean McDermott has talked repeatedly about how well he thought Zach Taylor handled himself in that whole situation, came over the the compassion that he showed, how Joe Burrow led the Bengals captains uh, into the Sabre, uh, excuse me, into the Bills locker room at that time uh, that night as they're all kind of absorbing everything and and wanted to check on the Bills players to see how they were dealing with that situation what their emotions were like um, and, and to show them how much they cared so I think there's a level of respect that's unusually high between these two teams I don't think it takes anything away from the intensity of what we're going to see on the field here at Orchard Park on Sunday it may add to it in fact but I think it's very unique. I mean, it was an unprecedented set of circumstances, and I know it was greatly appreciated uh, by the Bills 
uh, the degree to which and, and how the Bengals players and coaches handled that situation and kind of helped them through that night. All right, let's get to the matchup with Adam Benini from WGRC TV in Buffalo. The Bills have won eight straight, but the last two games have been too close for comfort, especially if you talk to my mom down in uh, Lakewood, New York. Is anxiety running high in Buffalo, and should it be? I think the turnovers are the big issue, right, Dan? I mean, three of them against the Dolphins here on Sunday. They've had nine in the last three games. So ball security, a lot of times the players will brush that off. And Sean McDermott even said today, I asked him directly about it, and he said that it's a very valid question given the way this thing has been trending. Um, he says he trusts his players at this point, and it really, a lot of it comes down to Josh Allen. Look, this offense has not been as diverse, um, has not been as efficient as, it, you know, you think back to that Kansas City game last year, the divisional round, this same stage and the 13 seconds and, you know, uh, Gabe Davis and the four touchdowns and that sort of a thing, you know, the explosiveness we saw from this Bills team, it's not there right now. They're still very effective. Dawson Knox has begun to emerge. He has touchdowns now in five straight games. That's been important. Davis was solid. He's not the same player as he was last year, but he was solid against the Dolphins um, on Sunday. So it is a concern. Ball security is at the top of the list, but there are, are other factors as well. So I, I think everyone here has the sense that the dynamic is different with this Bills team, yet they continue to win. And I think there's also a level of grit with all they've endured this year as a group from the mass shooting this past summer. Uh, tragically, the way they kind of bonded with the community. Dawson Knox lost his brother. They helped him through that. Two historic uh, snowstorms, that sort of a thing. And then the Hamlin situation in Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago, Monday, is at the top of, of that list as well. They've been able to battle through a lot, and I think that counts for something. But in terms of X's and O's, they are not operating the same way they did at this stage last year. Let me dive further into the turnovers, specifically where Josh Allen is concerned. 16 interceptions, if you include the playoff game, 14 fumbles, a six that have been recovered by the other team. Is he forcing things? Is he sloppy? What explains all of these turnovers for one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? I think, and this is kind of a deep dive, Dan, in this take, but I think when, you, when you're talking about the season and the trend you just referred to, I think they had a lot of trouble coming up with an answer at the slot receiver position, right? When Cole Beasley moved on in March and they thought Isaiah McKenzie would be that player, it didn't work out that way. They went out and got Jamison Crowder. He broke his ankle against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so they really didn't have an answer. And I think that affected a lot of things. Suddenly they became a lot easier to defend. You know, teams could just take away digs. And suddenly Josh didn't have that option like he was so effective with Beasley all that time. So they bring Cole Beasley back, right? He comes out of retirement after a brief stint with Tampa Bay, and it's taken some time, but he hit him for a touchdown this past weekend against the Dolphins. And so he hasn't really put on numbers. He played in just like two or three games during the regular season, but he was effective, had a couple of big receptions, one for a touchdown. So I think the pendulum is starting to swing back in a positive way in terms of that relationship and its impact on the offense. But before that, absolutely forcing the football. 
Um, what was the expression from the original Top Gun? Son, your ego's writing checks. Your body can't cash. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, there's a, we call him Wyoming Josh here in Buffalo when he reverts back to that kind of, and they don't want to coach that completely out of him because it's part of what makes him great. But he, he walks right down that fine line of effectiveness and recklessness. He even talked about that today. So I, I feel like that's something, uh, that's really those two factors. Um, I think that those are the biggest factors behind him, you know, forcing the football, turning the football over. And, and I'm sure that's something that the Bengals are well aware of from a defensive standpoint. We're talking to my friend, Adam Benini, who covers the bills. As you know, the Bengals have a battered offensive line. The bills lost their best pass rusher, Von Miller. How good has the pass rush been since Von Miller went out? It's been pretty solid. Um, I don't think it was as effective as it needed to be against the Dolphins this past week. You didn't really hear Greg Rousseau's name, for example, but they do have a strength in numbers approach there. You know, I think prior to the Von Miller signing, they had really invested for a number of years. You know, you go back uh, to, to the loss to the Chiefs in the AFC championship game a couple of years back. That was the real indicator where you know, that they were not well-equipped enough up front from a pass rush perspective to deal with Mahomes. And so they went out and they invested in the draft. They, A.J. Epinesa, who was their first pick, a second-round pick, as it happened, because they lost the first-rounder in, in the trade for Stefan Diggs that particular year. But then they go out and they get Rousseau in the first round, Basham uh, in the second round, you know, the following year. So they have – and they bring back a Shaq Lawson – uh, they got Jordan Phillips, the defensive tackle. Ed Oliver has really kind of come on this year, a former first-round pick. And so they'll rotate. It's a strength in numbers type approach. But I think that at understanding the Bengals are dealing with injuries on the offensive line, we talked before the last game, I, I thought that was the key matchup, how effective the Bills could be from a pass rush perspective against that Bengals offensive line. Now the dynamic might change a little bit in terms of the injury situation. Um, but they do have guys that can get home. The way in which Burrow gets that ball out so quickly and efficiently, I think, presents a problem for Buffalo. I think this is a game where they really begin to feel the absence of Von Miller on the field. I think the Bengals, with that passing game, the timing, those receivers are in a position to really exploit that. And by extension, the youth in the secondary. You know, Dane Jackson limited to start the week with a knee injury. Kyrie. Tyer Elam, their first round pick this year has been very vulnerable at times, had an interception to his credit against the Dolphins. Trey White coming off the ACL injury last year, not the same player he was in the past, but kind of rounding into form. He's looked pretty solid out there, but the Bills vulnerable in the secondary as well. So both in terms of the pass rush, despite the injuries on the offensive line and the way things shape up in the secondary, Dan, I think Buffalo, they're vulnerable. I think this is a nightmare matchup in terms of what the Bengals bring offensively uh, for this Bills defense. How about safety? Because Micah Hyde isn't back yet, and obviously DeMar Hamlin is out. Where do they stand at that other safety spot? Well, you've got – they brought Dean Marlowe back. Um, you know, so he's a veteran, five, six years experience in the league. Came up with an interception this past weekend. Uh, but, again, you're dealing with Skylar Thompson. I mean, a guy – Look, a rookie seventh-round pick. Talk about telegraphing the ball 
talk about hanging on to it forever. I mean, Vic Carucci, my Sports Talk Live counterpart here and I are, are counting four plus seconds. He's hanging on to the ball. You know, he's not obviously, he's probably a career backup type player. He's not an anticipatory quarterback, right? So um, Burrow is the exact opposite of that. I mean, Joe is, is throwing that ball to a spot right? And the receiver is going to be there and it's all timing based. So it's the polar opposite of what they face this weekend. So I do think that they're vulnerable in the safety spot as well. Also from a communication standpoint, they've really missed Micah Hyde who went down with a neck injury after week two. And he was so good at, at making sure players are in the right position, pre-snap and that sort of a thing. I mean, I think if you look at some of the timeouts this past weekend where have been kind of controversial among the fan base here. Hyde's absence contributes to some of that, where they're just not, McDermott's not comfortable with what he sees, how they're aligned defensively, and they have to burn a timeout. So I think it affects that, that, that lack of a veteran safety in that spot. And of course, Hamlin had done a very good job of filling in, uh, extremely competent in that role prior to what happened with him and his collapse. So I think they're, they're vulnerable, I guess what I'm saying, Dan, at a number of levels both from an execution standpoint and from a pre-snap communication standpoint at that safety position. Last thing for Adam Benini, what do we know about that famous Buffalo weather on Sunday? Um, interesting. We had our uh, chief meteorologist, Patrick Hammer, who is very popular here in, in Buffalo um, for our sports show Monday night. I had him do a, like a long range forecast and uh, he said, there's a system coming in here. You're not going to really know until Thursday or Friday, but we could be dealing with a mix of rain and snow for that game. It's still, they're not sure on when it's going to arrive. Um, it could arrive. Uh, they thought initially maybe like on late Sunday night into Monday, and now it was trending earlier in the week that possibly it could be, you know, typical Orchard Park weather, something you're very familiar <laughs> with from your background here. Uh, I don't know that it necessarily affects. I mean, the Bills have been very effective dealing with, with severe weather situations, and they've had a number of them to deal with. They're pretty good. I, I don't. I don't have a sense. I don't think it's going to affect the Bengals um, all that much. I would ask you that question. I mean, I, how do you think that would affect the timing, maybe, of that Bengal passing game? Wind is the only thing that bothers me. They can deal with cold. They can deal with precipitation. Wind is always the wild card because you never know how the wind is going to affect the ball from play to play. And they are such a uh, passing dependent team that I would be more worried about wind than anything else. All right. So we'll see. I mean, that, that's that the, the, obviously wind is a, a primary feature here. They can plan on some of it. Uh, we're not sure at this point how severe it's going to be. My thanks to Adam Benini, and here's a quick reminder to join Lap and me on Friday for the Bengals Pep Rally Show at the Wings and Rings location in Fairfield. The show runs from 3 to 6, and the legendary Bob Trumpy will be our guest in the final hour. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals, by Bengals Picks, and Ultimate Bengals, the free-to-play with tickets and signed merchandise, up for grabs by Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals, and by AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with AltaFiber. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps 
more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.